Hello, it's Monday the 30th of October. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and when I get knocked down, I get back up again and get given a lovely crown. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we encourage you to buy the papers by gathering together all the good bits inside them. The biggest scoops, the cleverest columns, the greatest headlines, and anything that involves animals being cute, boffins getting it wrong, or evil scumbag robots and their evil scumbag plans to dominate the world. We're out Monday to Friday for a five out of seven week of newsy fun. So why not subscribe or even become a Papercut supporter so we can continue to make rude jokes about the UK press without the man picking up the phone and shouting at us. OK, here are the headlines for today's show. The best of friends. Sitcom star Matthew Perry, who played Chandler in Friends, dies aged 54. Guess who's back? GB News has a new, posh, blonde presenter and he's raring to waffle on. And (laughs) it's a gimp-off. The gimp man of Essex says that the Somerset gimp has brought gimpery into disrepute. Welcome to Papercuts, where you read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Papercuts, where we couldn't be more into the UK press. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and with me on the show today is New Statesman columnist and Bedford bigger-upper, John Elledge. Hello, John. Oh, great. Way to make me sound really exciting. Thanks. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> also with us is comedian and writer and bad pub assessor, Fergus Craig. Hi, guys. Hi, Fergus. So what do we have on the front pages today? John, what do you have? Once again, um, a lot of the broadsheets are leading with the events in the Middle East. The Telegraph has got Hamas blocks exit of foreign citizens... Uh, The Times, UN warning on Gaza as desperation takes hold. Um, This is a a report from from on the ground in the Gaza Strip where communications have have been restored, I think under US pressure, actually. So now the people in in the Strip can actually sort of get word out as to what conditions are after after all this bombing. Uh, The Guardian similarly has UN says civil order in Gaza is starting to break down. Um, the mail is the most interesting, though. Um, again, it's a, a, a report from not, it doesn't say in the Gaza Strip, it says on the Gaza Strip border. Uh, it goes, this, this goes on a bit, I'm sorry. Mailman sees Israel's reckoning with Hamas blaze into life. Watching the fierce combat, we're like spectators in a vast, bloodied coliseum. Wow. It's, That's a bit odd. It it feels a bit like they're enjoying it a bit too much, doesn't, doesn't it? it? And also, mailman sounds like he's a postman. Um, they're all pictures as well on the front of those um, of those papers as well, isn't there? Of every one of them of Matthew Perry. Yeah, every one of them basically has a picture of Matthew Perry, who we'll be talking about in, in a minute. But. Um, that's very much the, the sort of big story of the day. Actually, is the death of the uh, of, of Chandler from Friends. Yeah. Okay, Fergus, what do you have? Uh, I've got the I. Uh, they have uh, Starmer hit by growing party rebellion over Israel as Gaza battle rages. There's obviously a bit of a, uh, a, a tension brewing there over Starmer's stance on Israel. Uh, the Sun has uh, friend to the end, and there's uh, a picture of uh, the whole Friends cast from the 90s when they were all beautiful. And the mirror has uh, Matthew Perry as well, our best friend. And the Daily Star does have Farewell Chandler, but it leads with Whiff, Whiff, Woof. Uh, <laughs> what is that? What is Whiff, Whiff, The woof? story is that apparently uh, dogs know when we're coming home because they can smell us. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> 
thanks, doggies. And they go, what? Woof. Or they go, whiff, whiff, woof. Whiff, whiff, woof. <laughs> now, all the papers cover the sudden and unexpected death of much-loved actor Matthew Perry, best known for playing Chandler Bing in the hugely successful 90s into the 2000s sitcom Friends. Perry, who was 54, drowned in his home hot tub on Saturday. So, John, how have the papers covered his life? It's it, it does actually feel like a sort of outpouring of love you don't see very often. There's lots of write-ups about, you know, his career, his life, his struggles with addictions, but also about what a funny, lovely man he was. Most of the papers are very affectionate. Uh, I would say one exception is the Mail, which has run an absolutely horrific pap shot of him. I'm just going to put that up there for the camera. And the quote next to it is, if I die, it would shock people but surprise no one. Um, and it just kind of feels like they've got the tone wrong, like everything else, even like Up to the Sun, like which has some very odd quotes in there. But every, everyone else has been quite affectionate about this and recognising this isn't the death of a much-loved celebrity. The male feels like it wants to sort of point and laugh at someone who, who got their just desserts. For... Yeah, you get the feeling that they kind of want him to have died from a relapse. That's the thing yeah. that's really awful about it. I mean, apparently he was sober and um, he was, you know, it was just an unfortunate accident. But the choice of picture is quite telling because it's the most recent picture they've got of him. But it's a pap shot and it's a long range pap shot. And everybody looks terrible on long range pap shots. It's like the worst mm. one you could run, really. But they're looking for a morality tale, basically. Yes, they exactly. Want, uh, they, they, they sort of want to, to find... I mean, I suppose you could say they sort of want to find meaning in this, whereas it could just be a, a tragic, pointless death. Yes, exactly. Fergus, um, so obviously a lot, m much of the stuff that's been written about him is about Friends, where mm -hmm. he was like the best character in Friends. Chandler was the funniest, he was the most loved, he was the most kind of odd character, I think, on Friends. I think that's up for de debate. You know, everyone's got their favourite friend. Uh, <laughs> Who was yours, Fergus? I, it varied over the seasons. Chandler was probably the best character in the early seasons until he got with Monica. Oh, yes, and got boring, didn't it? That's sort of jumped the shark. Yeah. But I, I was a teenager in the 90s, and it, looking back, it, it's hard to overstate just how massive it was. Mm. It was sort of when we still had the sort of like monoculture. Every, not everyone liked it, but everyone sort of in my generation knew it so well. Yeah. And because there were so many episodes that were repeated all of the time. Yeah such a large part of the population, certainly of my generation, became so familiar with those characters. So any one of them, it would be just such a big deal when they died. Like, in a weird way, Friends wasn't a sitcom. Like, it was a sitcom, but it was something else. It was like a soap as well, and it was like... It was like very comforting television. Yeah, because they were comforting characters in the end, weren't yeah. they? They were quirky, but they weren't nasty. Nobody was really very nasty. No, no. Although, you know, they're all sort of taking the piss out of each other all the time. But some people I've seen some people writing how Chandler Bing was sort of the, the, the writer's room's voice. So much of Friends, but no more than Chandler Bing, it would be really difficult to deliver. It would be very easy to do that badly. Yeah. But he delivered those lines so well and sort of humanised what were essentially just pure jokes. 
Yeah, he made them believable. One of the things that is is obviously covered in the papers is the fact that he had addiction problems. And I think when addiction problems hit fame, that's a massively tricky um, situation because there's nothing kind of holding you back. But I do feel that sometimes how people write about addiction in the newspapers, I find very odd. He's quite clear about his problems with addiction. He's always said, I am an addict. And he kind of lists all the things that he's been addicted to and how hard he found to kind of get sober. But there's a great piece by Zoe Williams, for example, where she describes his his work and his life absolutely brilliantly. And then in the end, she kind of says, oh, if opioids weren't invented, he'd probably be all right. And you think, no, 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 he's an addict. Like, mm. he could get addicted to anything. That's not the kind of point. And this idea that perhaps if circumstances were different and if he just had a bit of willpower, he would be all right. It's just rubbish. And, and he really worked, you know, as an addict, as, as, a, as a sober addict, he really tried to help others. He put a lot of money into, like, he created his own, sort of, uh, I think it's called the Perry Centre or something, to kind of help other people struggling with the same problems. Yeah. And he was very, as you say, he was very open about it. There's a clip that was doing the rounds from, I think, Newsnight, of him arguing about addiction with Peter Hitchens. Mm. And, you know, he was very strongly advocating for it as a, as a medical problem. And I think probably the, the, the extent to which he was just so open about this has probably probably help people. There's a quote somewhere which I don't have to hand, but he said like he he knows that friends was always going to be the first line of his obituary, but he would actually rather be remembered for, for trying to help people with stuff like this. Yeah, I've got it actually. It says, when I die, as far as my so-called accomplishments go, it would be nice if friends were listed far behind the things I did to try and help other people. I know it won't happen, but it would be nice. Now, over the weekend, The Guardian ran a long and in-depth piece about a man called Paul Marshall, a rich guy with many investments, including in ARC Academy schools, and Unheard, a right-wing publication. He also funds GB News, which made an announcement over the weekend that is, it has secured a new presenter, Fergus. Who is that new presenter? Everyone's favourite former Prime Minister, uh, Boris Johnson. Uh, I mean, it's sort of predictable... Mm. Right. I, I mean, I've always sort of, I, I always fluctuate on how intelligent I think Boris is. I think he's probably more intelligent than me. I think he's less intelligent than he thinks he is. But I think he he's intelligent enough to know that having a show on the same station as Darren Grimes is embarrassing. <laughs> 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 but I... <laughs> It's just a mark of failure, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's quite weird. I think, like, like some 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 friends of mine here, like, hey, Johnson, all he stands for, like, oh, for fuck's sake, look what they're doing. They're giving him more airtime. It's like, no, no, this is him failing. This is like not where his post political career was meant to go. But I don't, it, I don't think it's the way he saw it. He saw his trajectory, but it's difficult to tell, isn't it? Because I've got so much emotionally invested in the downfall of Boris Johnson. <laughs> I want to see a really humiliating ending for him. And in many ways, this feels like that's what it is. But then is it also potentially him sort of rearming and regrowing his base? Is this the point where the Mujahideen turns into the Taliban? Is this... <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think so, because I think like GB News is like it's done better than I think a lot of us expected it to. But it is still a very tiny audience. It is it is disproportionately influential on the right of British politics. But Boris Johnson is already disproportionately influential on the right of British politics. I don't think this is going to win back the public support that he he lost because of Partygate and so on. It's kind of like a memification, I think, of him. Do you know what I mean? Because like what you you know, Boris is eternally kind of I, you know not interesting, but kind of clickable, isn't he? He's like a clickbait person. And I think if you put him on GB News, he'll he'll say something ridiculous that can then be clipped, yeah. and we can all laugh mm. at it, and it will go viral, it's, and that'll be. You it's know. going to present a daily problem, which <laughs> is that. On the one hand, we're all going to be very judgmental of each other and say, why are you giving him this publicity? <laughs> why not just let him die in a corner in peace? Um, but on the other hand, we're all going to have little snide jokes that we want to make about <laughs> yeah. the videos that will be coming out every day. Um, so look, when I introduced this section, I did mention this guy, Sir Paul Marshall, and he has... <laughs> he has come up with unheard. Is that right? He backs GB News. He, he there's a really long piece in the Guardian about unheard and Sir Paul Marshall on, at the weekend. It was so long; it took me several days to read, but it was interesting. So, so like this, it was really interesting because, like you know, this this guy touches on a lot of the things. I have written about or have been interested in, and I sort of barely knew who he was. And it's mm. like it is like you know, getting to the end of like you know the Avengers movies and discovering Thanos has been behind it all. Kind of, it's like that kind of thing. So this guy, he's had a very odd career trajectory. He started out in the Lib Dems, as you do. Well, I think he actually started out in the Liberal Party, uh, which then merged with the SDP to become the Lib Dems. Um, but by the early 1990s, it became clear that that wasn't a route to, to fame or fortune. So he became a hedge fund manager. Uh, made a fuckload of money. Mm. Um, he, he remained active in the background of Liberal Democrats. He was one of the people who put together a thing called the Orange Book, which was when the people from the sort of more liberal right-wing end of the Lib Dems kind of wrote a series of essays about how actually the opportunity for the party was in basically being a liberal right-wing party rather than the kind of left of Labour one where Charles Kennedy was taking at the time. Um, but but like the point is this, Paul Marshall made a lot of money and decided to use that money and influence to drag the Liberal Democrats to the right, which seemed like an eccentric thing to do until the 2010 election happened. Uh, the Lib Dems go into coalition with the Tories and suddenly he, you know, this guy is in meetings with, with senior government ministers, including Tory ministers, about the direction of the coalition government. At some point during all this, the Brexit referendum kicks off and Paul Marshall uh, looks at his hedge fund and thinks, well, if we're in the EU, they'll want to regulate hedge funds. It would be better off being outside the EU. So he begins campaigning on the quiet for Leave. And uh, also not just campaigning on the quiet, he puts money into it. He puts money into the Leave campaigns. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the people that Michael Gove consults before deciding which side he's on. It's so weird. It's like he's been there for ages. He's like a really mm. like Zelig or something, like an evil Zelig. He's we were really meant to be talking odd. about his media on. We haven't even got there. Yeah, it's so, much so mad. Um, in, I think, 2017, he, he uh, worked with... Um, the Conservative commentator Tim Montgomery to found Unheard and on the quiet it's become a very successful influential site doing a load of culture war stuff around things like you know gender and Brexit and lockdown and climate um, and it's suddenly got a load of traffic he's also an investor in GB News and now uh, he's apparently in talks about taking over the Spectator or the Telegraph this guy is basically the new Rupert Murdoch and he was a Liberal Democrat 
Yeah, it's, it's very so confusing. Odd. It's really odd. He's done really odd. I did manage to get through this piece, and he's done really weird things. Like he's putting on a gig for Jordan Peterson at the O2. <laughs> like okay, and he's opened like unheard has opened a private members club. In November 2022, a new home for free thinkers. Um, he bankrolls GB News like t- millions and millions. It got £30 million it cost him in 2022. Um, and the idea is perhaps that he's sacked uh, Dan Watton and Lawrence Fox so that it becomes more legit so that he can then take over the um, the Telegraph because it's, you know, it's employing Boris Johnson and John Cleese and all these sensible people, sensible in inverted commas. So therefore he'd be OK to to look after the spectator. He did say this thing about um, Unheard. He says, it doesn't have a political ideology, quote, I prefer to think of it as a mood, sceptical, anti-establishment, heterodox. But I didn't know what heterodox meant. What does it mean? <laughs> it, it's the opposite of orthodox. I it, thought it meant like straight. <laughs> I mean, so so it's I, Unheard has done some good stuff. It's just there is this kind of like slight nervousness that maybe it's all being used as cover to kind of push right wing culture war nonsense, which I, be, I would be less concerned by if there was anyone doing a left wing equivalent. But we don't seem to be able to find billionaires who they want just, to fund that. They yeah. seem better at it as well, though. I think the right seem better at creating these sort of like Empires, right? Yeah. Because well, they're better at business. Yeah, funds. For a start. <laughs> better at getting the cash and also have less sort of like moralising. But genuinely, I think this is a big difference between the left and the right. And this is not actually to, to moralise about it. But I think like if you're on the left, you do worry a lot about what is right, which is why the you know left wing groups tend to splinter and have these civil wars, whereas the right is much more openly concerned with power and influence. I mean, this it's it is a fascinating, it's a fairly long read in the Guardian by Samuel Earle, but it is a really interesting piece, and its kind of thesis is like all this stuff is sort of happening so that there is there is a lot of conversations happening, crowding out debate about economics, like so that there is no space to go, actually, like, is it great that we have billionaires? Is it is it really good that they're sort of setting the tone of debate? If you're talking instead about, you know, whether lockdown was actually a crime against the British people or, or, or whether like trans activists are going to arrive in speedboats and kill us all. Um, so that's a reference to a headline we haven't even talked about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then, 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 like, there's no room to kind of talk about economic justice. Yeah, it also, it's in the end, it just positions everybody who writes for it, whether they're a billionaire or not a billionaire, as kind of anti-establishment. Now, as we all know, paper cuts and great headlines go together like, hang on, let me consult our last episode, salad, cream and rice. Is that right? (laughs) Anyway, we're perfect companions, as long as the headline is one that makes us chuckle. Too often, opportunities are missed, which is why we created our weekly Fix the Headline competition, where we find a great story with a not-so-great header and ask you lovely listeners to come up with a better one. On Friday, we found you a brilliant story from the star about a child's toy teapot with a surprisingly phallic spout. (laughs) The star's headline was Teapot, but we knew you could do better, and you did. On X, George Waitman gave us 50 shades of Earl Grey. Martin Kublanka had a go with Shafternoon Tea. (laughs) And Unpop Cult offered PG Tip. (laughs) On threads, Amos Duveen tried... Cock a Brudel Do and Jack Eddie 2000 offered Teapot Dictator. <laughs> but the winner is Joel Rawlings with the frankly brilliant Piss Poor. 
Poor spelt P-O-U-R. That is so good. Isn't it good? Excellent work, Joel. Please send us your address and T-shirt size and soon you'll be upgrading your whole life by sporting a Papercuts T-shirt whenever the hell you like. Now, what about in the papers today? Do we have any headlines to rival Joel's? Uh, John, what have you got? Um, so in the Sun, uh, TV's Claire Boarding is very worried about the fact that there are a million fat dogs in the country. <laughs> okay. There's a canine obesity epidemic. <laughs> the headline is Podgy Pooch Plight. Podgy Pooch Plight. Okay. Um, Ferg, what do you have? You have the star, right? Yes, I've got the Daily Star. Um, apparently, uh, Gen Z is going mad for a new co- craze sweeping TikTok, walking. <laughs> <laughs> I love TikTok. TikTok makes everything exciting. Yes, they've discovered books. Now they've discovered walking. (laughs) And uh, the headline is Bunch of Walkers. Yeah, Bunch of Walkers. That only really works written down. Doesn't work when when you're actually saying it. Anyway. Oh, I just got it. Yeah, see? See? And uh, on page 16 of The Star, uh, David Copperfield has revealed his latest out-of-this-world trick, to which my response was, is he still alive? (laughs) got out of that box that's David Blaine <laughs> oh right <laughs> oh David Copperfield's the one with the long face who went out with Claudia Schiffer is yeah. that him yeah. he yeah. made the Statue of Liberty disappear Whoa. Well, that blew my mind in the late 1980s when clearly Whoa. it's like okay it's on television that's probably quite easy to do on television <laughs> if you can do that in New York I'd be impressed uh, well now he's going to make the moon disappear so perhaps oh. that'll <laughs> perhaps that'll impress you <laughs> You know, if he can make things uh, disappear, David, then how about making poverty disappear? (laughs) (laughs) Suffering. Um, Now, the headline is Lunatric. Oh, I've just got that. Okay, right. Yeah, very good. Okay, quite a lot of the papers got very excited over the weekend by the unmasking of the Somerset Gimp. <laughs> I think the way you phrase that as if, like, you know, for months the papers have been full of Who is the Somerset they Gimp? They have! Who they is have! Behind the, the mask? No, they have. It's literally been kind of bubbling under for quite a while. People just didn't know who the Somerset Gimp were. They were very excited about it, especially the star. Um, anyway, the Gimp had been frightening various mm. people over the past couple of years. He was caught, apprehended, and he was taken to court last week, and there were reports in many. Of the papers, including, of course, the Star. Uh, yes, the Star has uh, referred to him as the Asda Gimp, as opposed to the Somerset Gimp. Have yes, they got or like the Waitrose a, Gimp, a sponsorship deal or something. I don't know. No, that's literally where he bought the stuff, isn't it? I think. Yeah. I mean, it's like how, how to become a, a, a Gimp, you know, by using your local supermarket. Yeah. Are they saying he was never formally elected Gimp by the people of Somerset? <laughs> no, he was not. Actually, this is not just any Gimp. This is an M and S Gimp. <laughs> Um, it was reported in the Telegraph, and actually, in the way of these things, some of it was quite sad. So, you know, it's like, you know, it, you know, maybe, you know, he was unhappy and this is why he became a gimp. Anyway, minutes after the arrest, the guy, um, he was arrested and he told police officers, I am not a gimp. I do not own a gimp suit. I am not in a gimp suit. But then a search inside his van found a collection of wet black clothing, women's tights, face masks and gloves. With and the label, gimp stuff. <laughs> 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 Self-hating gimp. It's very sad. It is really sad. I mean, you know, he basically in court, he they asked him why he did it, and he said he felt bad about himself, and he so he would go out at night and get changed into this black clothing and do what he called mudding. 
right? So that basically he'd get covered in mud from the local estuary. And he said, it's a self-loathing thing. It's a release because I feel like shit. I cover myself in shit. It never entered my head that I was frightening people, which is just really awful. But then he had also done an internet search on the Somerset Gimp <laughs> and written a short story about someone who purchased a black rubber suit and mask. So... We don't know anyway. So, like, the, the Mirror has a, a brilliant quote from the Gimp Man of Essex, mm. who is often seen uh, doing his weekly shop in Colchester's Tesco's, clad head to toe in black leather. Uh, it has a Twitter handle, Gimp Man of Essex. He's been interviewed about being the Gimp Man of Essex on GB News. Uh, anyway, uh, the Gimp Man of Essex has said that uh, the Somerset Gimp gives the whole Gimp community a bad reputation. <laughs> Uh, the Essex Gimp uh, actually uses his fetish uh, for good. He links to a GoFundMe page for the uh, mental health charity Mind. Exactly. Is it going to be like flowers? Like all counties have their own Gimp. Official Gimp. I'm not clear on the definition of Gimp. I don't know what a Gimp is. I think I, you have to wear a mask and you have to be in black latex. That's it. I mean, other than that, you know, I mean, you, you know, you could dread your dog like that and your dog would be a dog Gimp. So that's all. Is that's Black all Panther I need to be a gimp. I can do it. Sorry, go on. So I was just saying, is Black Panther a gimp? Because mm. he does kind of fit that definition. Yeah. Oh, yes, he does actually. The yeah. line between gimp and superhero is I actually it, quite blurred, yeah, it's isn't close. it? I think it's something uh, to do with the mask. The uh, mask has got. I mean, if it's just like over your face with your little eyes coming out, that's that's gimpery, really. That's gimpery one oh one. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to John. Thank you. And thanks to Fergus. Thank you. If you'd like to hear about sex in space, and who wouldn't, then why not join our Paper Cuts Supporters Club? For just £3 a month, you get a hidden extra story every day and a chance to fully zhuzh your life with Paper Cuts t-shirts and mugs. Just follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com to find out more. And our excellent supporters get a special shout-out on the show. Here are some now. Hello, and thank you for everything, Rodrigo Marquez. <laughs> That's very loving. It's so sultry, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And uh, hello, I'll try my own. Hello, <laughs> and thank you for everything, Duncan Mills. <laughs> I'm so unsultry. Hi, and thanks for everything, <laughs> Louise Smith. I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when BBC Wildlife presenter Chris Packham has been cleared by the police after he was caught sniffing rare chicks <laughs> on the one show. Clucky for him. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with John Elledge and Fergus Craig. The group editor was Andrew Harrison. The managing editor of news was Jacob Jarvis. Production support was by Adam Wright. Socials by Jess Harpin. And the producer was Liam Tate. Music and audio production was by Simon Williams. And the executive producer was Martin Boitosh. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production.